And we're going to take a few minutes this morning and just look at this, this concept of the church and this aspect of team within the church. If you look at Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 11 through 13, it says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Let me break this verse down before we move into some kind of illustration and some practical application of this concept of team. First, we see here that is listed, there, God gave us some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God lays out a hierarchy in church where he brings leadership into the church to lead. What a concept. And I understand that we as Baptists believe in the priesthood of the believers, but the priesthood of the believers is what gives you the right to go to God without anybody else, without a high priest, without any other connection. You have the ability to go to God and God himself. That's what it does. And it also brings for us, we bring that into then a church vote during business meetings. Okay? But when it comes to the direction and leadership of the church and the development of the church God has placed in our paths, these people, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so we have a pastor that's here to lead us. And with that leadership, we're to follow. And so God lays that out. Why does he do that? Those people's job is to prepare God's people for works of service. So it is our job as staff and as teachers that are within our church, that's approved by the church and by the staff, it is their job and our job to get people ready for works of service. So it's, a, so it's this building thing to help. So you need to listen. You need to grow in that way. And then eventually, who knows where you may be in that path, but ultimately some will move into teaching. Some may never move into teaching because it's not your giftedness, and that's okay. But the issue is God has built this hierarchy of there's leaders under that they teach the people to do the works of service, and from the works of service, the church will build itself up. In other words, the church makes itself happen by doing stuff, the right kind of stuff. As we do service, then we build ourselves up. As we get involved in what God has us to be involved in, the church will be lifted up. That's what's being broken in here. And then in that, then we reach unity. Whoa, that one's hard, isn't it? We reach unity. I told the first church, the first service this morning, I said, you know what? I was, it was 1991, 1991, the first time that I ever heard of a church because God has led it to go plant another church. And so some members of the congregation left and went and planted a church. 91, until then, you know where all the church plants came from that I knew about? Wrong color carpet. In other words, church splits. Well, I don't like that color carpet that they picked, so I'm leaving. And a group of people would get together, get all mad. They would go over to across town, you know, a little ways away and say, God's led us here to start a church. That's how most of the church plants that I knew about up until 91 happened. People getting mad at somebody else and going across town and starting another church. Our first mission trip here, the pastor is Jerry and me were doing site prep. We were at this little church, uh, First Baptist Church of Corbin. No, of uh, Coburn, Virginia, literally down the road, I could have walked there, down the road, took a right, down this little street, up on the hill, was a church split, about eight blocks away. 
split from the church because of something they got mad at, went eight blocks away, built another church. That's what I knew about. When we follow God's leadership and God's leaders and we grow in His grace and in His service, we come to a place of unity. And then that unity comes maturity, that we become a mature church. And that God can honor and guide us and lead us in that way. Which brings us in closer to the team concept. We're a team. Now when I say that, I understand I have a story that not everybody gets the team. Not everybody picks up on the team properly. And I found this story. It was about a church, a company picnic that a, church, that, that, that a, that a company had. So it's this company picnic, and they rented two racing shells, the boats. For those of y'all who were into the Olympics, you know, the big rowboats where all these people row. That, so they rented two of those and challenged another company to race against them. And the rival company accepted so on the day of the picnic, everybody was all excited. They were all pumped. They were all down at the river ready to watch the race. And the race began. And the rival team immediately jumped in front. They stayed in front. And they won by 11 lengths. Stomped the company that invited them. So the management of that host company got together. They were so embarrassed by this. They appointed a committee to find out what in the world went wrong. That committee then followed up by promoting or putting together a task force to study some of the various aspects of the race. They met for three months and then issued their report. And the report said that the rival crew had been unfair. The other company had been unfair. They had eight people rowing and one person steering and shouting the beat, is what the report said. The host company only had one person rowing and eight people shouting the beat. <laughs> well, it's not done. The chairman of the board then asked the committee and sent them away to study it a little further and make recommendations. So they came back four months later to the committee and they said, we recommend that our guy row faster. You know, we laugh, but is that not sometimes the way we feel about church? That's what we got a staff for, isn't it? Isn't that why we have a staff? They can do everything. You know, we don't need to do anything. That's not a team, folks. It's not a team. We come together to make a team. And, and when the team works together, the better we are. There's a few times that I've seen individuals rise above. We took the teenagers, a group of teenagers, I don't know, a couple years ago to see this guy called the one-man volleyball team. And it's one guy who plays against high school teams, and he's like 60. I mean, I couldn't believe this guy. He's <laughs> as old as he is, and he could do this. And, and, but, but he beat teams all the time. He beats teams all the time. One guy, and the only rule change is he can hit the ball three times. And for volleyball, you can only hit it once in succession. He can hit three because he's all by himself. But he beats them, and I was amazed at that. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes there's somebody with lots and lots of skill that just rises no matter what anybody else does. A pastor who can build a church no matter if nobody else does anything. And then I was thinking about, when I was working on this, I was thinking about the king in his court. And some of you may remember him. Years and years ago, he was a fast-pitch softball player, the king. And he put together a four-man team, him and three other guys. And they used to play during corporate softball matches when they were real big. And my dad played for Valleydale Meatpackers. 
My dad pitched for Valleydale Meat Packers. And dad, I remember dad telling me about this guy and how good this guy was and how even on the plate, I mean, besides throwing all these, these, these underhanded but fast-pitch softball, he, he could actually wind up and flip the ball behind his back and throw a guy out at first. I mean, he was just amazing. He would throw between his legs at times. He had one, he could throw behind his back and strike guys out. He had one pitch, I was watching on YouTube, he had one pitch that he designed where he'd throw like this and catch the ball here, and the, the, the uh, catcher behind the, the, the plate would hit his glove, and the ref would call a strike, and he never threw the ball. I mean, these guys were pretty phenomenal. They were like Harlem Globetrotters of softball. You see that sometimes, where there's this great, great team that's not the normal size. But I'm telling you, most of the time it takes a team to beat a team, doesn't it? Everybody coming together and working. So let's go over a few points here about teams. I just want to run through some of these about teams. Number one in your notes, some key ingredients to building a team takes you then to A in your notes. You have to join the team first. You have to join first. And just to kind of touch base, I've already hit on it somewhat, that in my mind is salvation. Until you're saved and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're not a part of the team. Sorry, you may want to be, you may want to hang out with the team, you can hang out as long as you want to with the team, but you're really not on the team until you accept Christ. And I've already mentioned the gospel, shared with you the gospel, as I shared testimony today, as I talked about the story of Joe and what the gospel really is. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, come and see one of us today, uh, one of the staff or one of the other, a lot of other church members, church members, if you don't know how to lead somebody to the gospel then grab somebody and drag them to one of us. That's fine. We'll help to share that with them. But first, you've got to join the team. That's salvation. B, you have to want to be on the team. Joining the team is just a part. It's just a start. You've got to want to be there. If you're going to be actively involved, you've got to want that. Okay, somebody who doesn't want to be on a team, you can see it. You can see it when they're standing over the side. You've got to want to be there if you want to, join, if you want to be on that team. You want to make an impact. C, you have to work on the team. You have to work on the team. It takes everybody on the team to work to make it effective. Ecclesiastes 4.12 talks about the three strands being strong or being stronger. That everybody working together. The team is only as strong as the weakest link. When you have an issue where there's, there's somebody who's not doing their job, that issue hurts the rest of the team. It's that simple. I tell my volleyball players when I'm coaching them, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. You have to work at it, and you have to work at it well. You have to be doing it. You got to be doing the Christian life thing before the limelight is on you. You got to be showing the love of Christ when nobody else is looking, so that when people are looking, that what you're doing is natural. So you've got to practice at that. D, you have to play your position. You have to play your position. There's no bench setters, by the way, on God's team, so everybody has a position. What is that for you? Is it the nursery? Is it kids? Is it teens? Is it teaching? Service? Prayer? What, what position are you supposed to be playing here? I can tell you this. For me, if, you just, if somebody came to me, if Daniel came to me Monday or Tuesday and said, Rick, I've been praying about this and I feel like you need to be in the nursery. So I'm going to start putting you in the nursery every week. I would be looking at my pastor and saying, Pastor, let me pray about that for a long, long time first. Second is if God doesn't change my heart, Pastor, I'm probably leaving. Because that's not where I want to be. I want to be with the teenagers. I love it up there. But some of you wouldn't be caught dead upstairs with the teenagers. 
you know, because they roll their eyes at you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're so rude sometimes. They can be, but I love them. I love them to death, but I don't want to be in the nursery. But let me tell you something. You know somebody who does want to be in the nursery? My mama loves the nursery. My mama loves the nursery. She would rather be there than teenagers any day of the week. And there's different areas for all of us to be at. Find your position. My mom one time when I was pastoring, my mom, I took her to the church because she wanted to do this. I took her to the church and she cleaned the refrigerators in the kitchen. And a couple of ladies of the church, after they found out, came to me and go, oh, I wish your mama hadn't have done that. Oh, we would have got to it. Oh, and I said, no, you don't understand. My mama loved that. Because my mama had a heart for service. And I said, she thoroughly enjoyed that. She asked if she could do that. Find your spot. You say, well, I tried this and it didn't work out. Then it's probably not your spot. Find your spot. Find where you go. Your position on the team is critical to the whole team. Finding out what that is. Praying about that. Ask your pastor, one of your pastors. Ask your Sunday school teacher where those aspects and things could be. Try out some spots. Just because you show up at a place, you go to the nursery because they need some help and you hate it, then let them know. I really wasn't for me. You might go and love it. You know, be willing to try some spots. Just because you volunteer for one thing doesn't mean you've got to be there forever. It really doesn't. So, but being involved and finding that spot you need to be at. Finding your position builds the church and makes it what it needs to be. Trying to be in the limelight all the time messes it up. One thing I remember is watching kids, if you ever watch little kids play soccer, don't matter what the coach is doing and how he's yelling over here at the side, and normally he's yelling, spread out, spread out, spread out. And where's the little kids at? Everybody's at the ball. It's like this big thing. Or, you know, it's just kind of they're all, wherever that's out, with the coach yelling, spread out. Why? Because ultimately by the time you get to high school, my high school players, when they're playing and I walk, go watch them, they're spread out. Why? Because they know somebody's going to pass to them. Little kids like, nobody's going to pass. I'll just get to the ball kind of thing. Grow up. Find your spot. Find where you fit. Plug in. You have to play your position. E, there's no I in team. There's no I in team. In other words, we're all together, guys. Once we're saved, we're all together. It is a team. My youngest daughter, when she was playing upward basketball, literally, if this was the end zone after the other team scored, if this was the end line, the little girl would get the ball and step out to pass it in to dribble, for somebody to dribble down. Heather would stand down and get the ball and dribble it down you know, like the point guard's supposed to do every time. And if another little kid came over here and got in her way on her team, she would push her. Okay, you're not like going, no, Heather, that's not the way it works. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm taking it down. Now, that's not the way it works. It's a team, and, and you're trying to learn team concepts. And so with us, there's no I in team in a church. We're all together, guys. If I do well, you do well. If you do poorly, it hurts me. It hurts all of us. Find your place. Understand that there's no I in team. F, you've got to be willing to follow the coaching staff. You've got to be willing to follow the coaching staff. You've got to trust the coach. You have to trust your coach. That's the person who directs the team, who leads the team. We call our coach the pastor. And God has brought us Daniel to come here to pastor us, to lead us, and to guide us. And he is our coach. In my mindset, then you take the, assi the assistant coaches, really, are your associate pastors. 
There are people that are underneath the coach that are also coaching. And they've been brought here to lead and to God and for you to listen to, to trust, and to help. Now, I will say this. None of the coaching staff are so great that we can't hear what you have to say. But somebody's got to be at the top that puts together the team and puts together the agenda and puts together the vision. But it doesn't mean we can't hear because we don't always catch everything. It's like if you're playing basketball and somebody's cutting you off every time and you go to the coach and go, coach, this is happening. That coach doesn't look at you and go, I am the head coach. Do not tell me anything of what's going out there on the court because I am the boss. No, that's not what a good coach does. He listens and goes, how can we change? What can we shift? So I'm not saying that there's a dictatorial thing. I'm saying there's a leadership thing. And for us to follow and be willing to listen, and then there's other people down the line that are key in the team process that give leadership and other aspects of the team that we need to be listening to and following with of course the head coach being our pastor who's here to guide this team and I want to challenge you with that underneath that then we have number two in your notes and I'll finish up with these why have a team why do we have a team well first we have the image of the body of Christ the image of the body in the New Testament what Daniel has laid out for us already that there is a body here. There's a, there's a unity that's supposed to be here. And I've just shifted that gear for us to think in the terms of team. Be in your notes. Is coming out of Revelation 12, 4, Satan has a team. Satan has a team. Uh, guys, if a team's going to play another team, you need a team. An individual against another team is probably going to lose. You know, it's just the way it is. You give me the best basketball player, you give me an NBA basketball star and give me five decent guys and we'll probably beat that one NBA star. I don't know, but I think probably, you know? But I gotta have five good guys and, and I'll have to coach because I'm not that good. Uh, but I'm just saying that it takes a team to beat a team and Satan has a team, so the church needs a team. And then with that seat, you need a team to play a team and so you need to make sure that you're on the team. So how's all this fit with us? How's all this fit? To kind of finish up, first would be, are you willing to get on the team? If you never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, are you willing to get on the team? Are you willing to join, kind of sign on the dotted line, so to speak, and ask Christ into your life as Lord and Savior? And if that's the case, I would encourage you to do that this morning. In a few minutes, we're going to sing. And, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come and respond. And if you want Christ in your life and you've never accepted Him, you come and grab the pastor's hand. He can talk to you about how you can know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to join the church. Do you need to connect to this team? And if that's the case, then come forward in just a few minutes. And are you willing to find your position on the team? Maybe you're just sitting around, not, you haven't figured out what it is. Are you willing to do that? And that may be something you can do in your seat. You may want to come down here and, and get on the edge of the altar here and pray and ask God, God, help Help me show, show me my team. Help show me where I fit. Show me how you built me, how you've made me, and where I fit the best so that I can act. And then making sure that you work at your position that God has given you. There may need to be some recommitments on that. That God, you've placed me in a situation, but I've, I've, I've gotten lax. I've gotten to let it go easy. I've just kind of went with the flow, and I need to get serious again because this thing called the team is important. And I need to be committed to what you have for me. We're going to ask Jake and them to come and my pastor to come up. And we're just, we're going to pray and then... Uh
We're just going to sing and let God move in your heart in whatever way you would have for just a couple minutes. And then Pastor Daniel will close out the service. Let's pray.